Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Outdoor Country Talk with Jacob and Jeremy. Jake, what's going on today? Man, we about to learn some new stuff. Well, yes, and something that has been a pain in my side for going on about 10 years now. So, you think? Absolutely. The, uh, you know, each day as you get older, you, you like to learn something new and, and pick up new tidbits. And that's one of the reasons I like for us doing this podcast. Yeah. Hopefully all the listeners, hopefully you learn something each time you listen to us, uh, whether it's good or bad sometimes, you know, <laughs> knowledge is knowledge. But the, uh, the, the gentleman we have on today has just got something that if you are an outdoorsman in this area or pretty well... It's a lot of a the, lot of the country now. This part of the country, I say, can relate to what we're going to talk about today. Oh, no doubt. I mean, you if, and if you have this problem, you know you have this problem, and you're trying to figure out how to cure it. And this man has a good, good system that works real well. And the information, hopefully, that comes out of this today, we'll be able to take that and put it to good use and reduce part of that problem. Yeah, I think just some of the pictures that I've seen. It's pretty effective. Yeah. It's pretty effective. Because I know whenever we got hogs, um, I guess it was about 10 years ago when we really noticed them on our property. Maybe a little bit longer than that. I can't really remember. But just a simple task of cutting grass seemed to get a lot more difficult with, uh, with the hogs moving in on our place. Not to mention, you know, the enjoyment of deer hunting, you know, the what you'd have to change up for just doing that and, and other things. But... uh but yeah, everybody, today we got Mr. Uh, Mr. Ronnie Valentine. He is here with us, and he's going to talk a little bit of little bit of hogs here in the southwest Mississippi area that can, that can also be applied to other other parts of the country as well. Mr. Ronnie, how are you today? I'm doing great, guys. Glad to be here. That's awesome. Man, we're glad to have you. Mr. Ronnie, now tell us a little bit. Now, we, we know you. We want everybody else on here to get to know you a little bit. Now, you... You currently live in the East Fork Gladding community here in Amick County. The uh, how, how exactly did you wind up here? Well, that's a good question. Um, my grandfather was from Busy Corner and uh, or North Liberty, mm-hmm. and so when I was a kid, spent a lot of time up here and used to do one of my favorite things that uh, unfortunately not able to do very much around here now, and that's bird hunting, uh, particularly quail and woodcock and whatnot. So uh, I always had fond memories of my childhood up here with him and other family members. And I guess when around 2005, 2006, started thinking about retirement, uh, wanted to buy a place, you know, in the country. And I did. I bought my place in 2008 and um retired a couple of years ago from my primary career which was engineering and construction and uh got into the little sideline business which i guess we're going to talk about but that's uh the short story on how i wound up here but i love it well mr ronnie where did where did you come from before you you moved in this area in 2008 i lived my entire life in baton rouge okay so not far okay 
Yeah, not far. So you, you, you didn't you didn't move off to a foreign land or nothing. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't know. Some people lived. might consider Baton Rouge a foreign land. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. it's it's different from Amit County, that's for sure. <laughs> it's different, and I can tell you which one I prefer a, a whole heck of a lot. But, uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, not far. And my my parents actually lived in Clinton, Louisiana, so that's even closer to yeah to where I'm at now. So I was always in this general area between my grandparents and my parents living in Clinton uh, after they got us raised. So just a, a fond spot in my heart for this area. Well, well, let's jump on in from here. The uh, You got into hog hunting, hog trapping. How, how did that actually come about? Well, I guess uh, around in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, I had some family members that, that used to run hog dogs and uh i would go with them fairly often had a lot of fun and y'all know how that is it's a a social event as it is a sport and uh so we would do that but that was not really controlling them if anything that was probably uh accelerating the growth uh by because a lot of times the pig would be caught somewhere and then transported maybe several counties or parishes over and let go so you know they could catch him again uh so i got acclimated to hogs kind of learned a lot of their behavior through that but but then really i guess in the early 2000s i saw a growth and and a lot of people have seen it and i think you guys have seen it too uh where you know there were hogs where there weren't were none before um and that happened to me and we were i had a hunting lease between centerville and liberty and pigs showed up and we figured out pretty quick that you know they're gonna tear up your place they're gonna run the deer off they're gonna uh, eat the turkey eggs they're gonna kill the poults if they can they'll kill deer farms uh they're they're gonna you know scratch the topsoil and erode it in the creek bottoms and and just do a multitude of things everybody's familiar with that they're gonna tear up hay fields and all the things that they do and so we started Back then, I guess the, the primary uh, control was people were using the little box traps, and they worked okay. I've well, built a many I of them. On... <laughs> I have I have spent a many hour welding them or trying to figure out how to make a loop trap, and a spring <laughs> door, and have a trigger mechanism set on the back. And... But yeah. I, I understand that uh, that way of trapping is is quickly becoming outdated. I'm sure it's still used a lot today, but. The, the system that you have is is a tad bit more advanced. It, it is. So the step between the box traps and the and the, the Jaeger Pro traps, which we'll talk about, is that we started building corral traps with uh, saloon doors, with trip wires. And we, we would catch a fair amount of pigs, but the problem with that is that we would, we would only catch the number or the, say if there's 10 pigs in the herd or sounder, there might be five in there when they trip the wire, the door would close, the other five on the outside would get educated and we may or may not ever see them again. So in 2011, when pigs showed up on my place in East Fork, uh, I, I looked around and, and the Jaeger Pro company was just getting started and they had developed the cellular electronic uh, pin corral trap with the drop gate that you can uh, set from your phone and I, and I bought a trap in 2011, and 
I used it, and I have literally caught every sounder that showed up on my place, which has been over 500 pigs between 2011 and now. And I haven't had a sounder show up in a couple of years in, until March of this year. One showed up, and I caught it. So that's the story, I, how I got acquainted with these guys. I end up meeting the CEO, and uh, they're in, based in Columbus, Georgia, all ex-military guys. And they approached me about being a dealer in this area in South Louisiana, Southwest Mississippi. So here I am. Now, Mr. Ronnie, you caught over 500 hogs on your place? Yeah. In the last eight years? That's been since 2011. And all but, I think I caught 14 in March of this year. So all but 14 of those I've caught between 2011 and 2017. And then they just, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeding during deer season and whatnot. So I'm not doing a lot of things to attract them. They were still around, but they just weren't really on my place. I didn't see sign. I didn't have the need to trap them because I pretty much kept them at bay for those six years. But sometimes I think if I didn't catch any during those six years, how many pigs would I have on me now? We had talked about it a little earlier before we got on the show. Um, and just talking about how how hogs reproduce and how fast they reproduce. For the folks that are on here that don't really understand that, would you kind of walk through that a little bit? Sure. So at six months of age, a sow, a female, uh, is sexually mature. So she can be bred, and she can have up to three litters in 15 months. So they can have a litter. Uh, they don't always do that, but they're, they're physically able to have a litter every five months. In those litters, uh, which are typically comprised of eight to ten piglets, uh, and then, you know, you, you just kind of follow that same track. In six months, those piglets are sexually mature. So if you do the math, it really becomes exponential quickly, and, and it's easy to see, you know, why we have so many pigs. And and the other thing I think that the bio- biologists and scientists, wildlife folks agree on, that to keep the status quo pig population, what we have today, whatever that number is, in a particular area, that you need to catch 70% of that population per year. Really? Which seems a little bit unrealistic. Just and to it maintain. May be, which is why pig, the population is growing. But. So just to maintain, you need to catch or harvest... Seventy percent, and Lord, I wonder what the what that actual number would be. Seventy percent of ten thousand, seventy percent of a hundred thousand. Wow. Yeah, and and there's been some estimates of you know the hog population in Mississippi, Louisiana, etc. But one of the problems is it's so dynamic, it's growing as we speak. It's hard to pin the tail on the donkey. Well, say, I was going to well, ask if you have this many pigs. if you had any or knew if they had any numbers out that what the most recent maybe count for the state of Mississippi would be if they had any projections that, that you might know of. I, I didn't look it up earlier. I kind of wish I did. Yeah, the last uh, – this data is probably a few years old, but the last data – and I can't – I don't want to quote exact number, but it was in the uh, upper hundreds of thousands. Wow. Well, going off of what you just said there, I mean, if you just think it of it in simple terms – if you have one one boar and one sow hog, 
coming out of those two, you could potentially in, in a year's time, I mean, you could have hundreds of pigs just just come off of one boar and one sow hog. Absolutely. And that's just that's that's hard for that's hard to fathom just just numbers wise <laughs> of of the it uh, really is of what can come it, out of just one one set of hogs. And, Mr. Ronnie, and, that, know. and I've had fun doing this too, even when I was doing it, you know, on our hunting lease back then, it, it was, you know, we enjoyed it. It's something to do being outdoors. Right. But I've also had a lot of fun doing it as a business. And when I first talked to uh, Rod Pinkston, who's the CEO of Yager Pro, um, I figured out, I said, well, I knew, you know, how prolific hogs could be as far as the population growth and whatnot. Generally, I've learned a lot since then, but, I also looked at Rod's product and I said, wow, th- this is, I said, if you were a publicly owned company, I would buy your stock. And because he was the first one out there, the founder of this technology, he's got all the patents and all that. And coupling that, it's kind of the supply and demand thing, coupling that with the demand for something like this because of the wild pig population growth, um, it, it's, it's the only thing that I know is really going to keep the population in check. And it's going to take an extreme effort just to keep the population in check. But thankfully, you know, a lot of folks are, are buying into it and uh, they're, you know, learning the process of catching pigs. They're, they're buying the traps, they're using them and uh, where they're doing that, especially when adjacent landowners, you know, can kind of get together and, and you know, each, each of them have a trap or two. That's where we're seeing really the most improvement uh, in the control. Well, Mr. Ronnie, I think it's fair to say as far as what I know about them, the only predator that a hog has is really us and maybe themselves, right? Unless you're in South Louisiana, the alligators will eat, right. eat a few, but you're right. There's there's just not many, and they're, uh, as you know, they're omnivores, so they can eat anything. Uh, they, can eat, they can eat anything, and they will. So they're very adaptive, and uh, they, they don't have the – predators like you say so they are um, just extremely prolific unfortunately I mean, so a bullet a fast moving chevy or an alligator <laughs> is about the only <laughs> i guess a ford or a dodge could take one out too but uh <laughs> wow that's right that's right exactly maybe we need to import some uh african big game or something over here to get them <laughs> to take care of the pigs now i don't know let's let's back up there now uh i think every time we've imported something to to help control something else i believe that has not turned out well if yeah uh, if exactly. you take kudzu for an example you know kudzu was brought in for erosion control and now the areas that they have it you can't hardly get rid of it they don't want it they would rather have erosion problems yes <laughs> exactly and that's why i facetiously said that and it same thing with the uh, the water hyacinth in Louisiana and mm-hmm. bringing in the nutria to eat the water hyacinth, and now you know nutria are overpopulated. So it's uh, not not a good thing to import species, plant or animal. Now, Mr. Ronnie, you were saying a minute ago that when you got involved with Jaeger, you know they were just getting started, new company that they hold the patents and stuff. What makes their technology different or? Or better, what what really made them stand out to you when you first got into this? Well, knowing uh, their principles, and there's there's two or three guys that really run the company with Rod Pinkston, and they're all ex-military. They were all based in Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, Army or Army Rangers, uh, career military guys. Most of them fought in Afghanistan and Iraq or 
in their late 50s, probably early 60s. Um, but the, the interesting thing about Rod is he grew up on a hog farm. So they raised, his family raised domestic pigs all of his young life. And then he went in the military at uh, 18 years old and basically was a soldier, um, spent a lot of time in, in the Middle East where they use the IEDs, um, which have a technology that can be uh, used with a cell phone, very simple, uh, rudimentary stuff over there for those folks that like to kill people with that kind of stuff. Well, Rod <clears throat> saw that, and he also saw the problem that was developing in the southeast United States and said, I believe I can make a trap because I know how pigs behave. Uh, I can develop a process and make a trap that can be controlled with a cell phone. Uh, you get the pictures when the pigs go in the trap, and you can close the gate with the cell phone through an app. And so his concept and his background experience was very sound. And the other thing that struck me was uh, the passion that they have for this. They're, um, you know, they're not they're not looking to be a Fortune 500 company. They just want to. I truly believe that they really. Well, of course, they're making a living. You know, a kind of a secondary, semi-retirement type living like I am. But they really want to help people, and uh, whether it's local, or state, or federal governments, or landowners, hunters folks like us, uh, they want to help people control pigs. And that's truly what they want to do. And they, they stand behind their product. They make a good product. Uh, they're just very sound folks that like, they don't like junk, you know, so their process of te technology and their in manufactured product is just good stuff. And it's very usable. It's not overly complicated. And uh, all of that, you know, when, when I learned about it and bought my first trap and, and then met Rod uh, is kind of what led me to be, be attracted to it. And then, and then he asked me if I would be willing or be interested in being a dealer. And uh, at that time, I had a few more years to work, but we kept in touch. And then I retired in March of 17 and uh, gave him a ring. And he said, We're, we still got your spot waiting for you. So I signed up and it's been really, really fun, really enjoyable. So at the time that kind of the, the Jaeger Pro system came out, was there any kind of competitor or, or technology that was, that was out there that was similar? They, and that's a very good question, and they were the first. Okay. The first that I know of yeah. and the first that they know of. Um, since then, there have been so, – so, so when Rod, he was you know, a sharp guy. He got patent attorneys, and they solidified his patent and – filed his patents and all that associated with all of the technology and but you know there were other folks that came out and uh basically copied the technology mm -hmm. and rod was pretty um easy going about it because frankly they they weren't really a threat to his sales or his business uh but a few of the companies have grown and are have become a threat and are actually you know detrimental to his business so there's some stuff going on there right now to try to, um, you know, make sure that everything is uh, on the up and up and nobody's just stealing a patent. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of thing. Now, there's there's a few other competitors out there, and um, but 
the, the ones that I know of are have just outright blatantly copied his patent. Well, one thing I would like to kind of, I guess, kind of moving back to the to the to the pig, you know, itself. I know we talked, and you know, I think the first time we saw pigs on our place was ten years ago or so. And whenever, I think I, it was actually it was during deer season, and you know, I was trying to take pictures of deer and stuff, and we saw a little bit of sign, but didn't really think a whole lot about it because pigs just wasn't, you know, anything we ever was concerned about on our property, and didn't really know a whole lot about really other than, you know, other parts of the country that, that, it, that it had them. But what do you think is the reason for them coming to areas like where we live right now and, and other areas where somebody may not even experience the hog population 10, 15, you know, years ago? What do you think really contributed to the, to the migration of the pigs in the areas that, that people hadn't seen them and, in, in, you know, historically? So, so obviously one of the, main factors i think is just their um i'll call it their breedability for lack of a better term uh, but you know and i don't want to get anybody mad at me but i have read articles and i don't really have any um, proof of this or any evidence i guess but um there are some folks you know wildlife biologists and people that study this uh, a whole lot more than i do that say that you know, transporting pigs after uh, catching them with dogs, um, you know, moving them out of their area where it could have been, you know, historically, say, a riverbed, mm-hmm. you know, the Mississippi River Basin, you know, close to the river. I know always had pigs for years and years and years, and then now we're seeing them, you know, migrate outside of that. It could just be a natural migration. Uh, it could be a combination of, who knows, 10 or 12 things. But the one thing that's for sure that I don't think anybody can doubt is just their the sheer numbers that that they can produce. And the thing I think that this is kind of my personal opinion, um, and there's people who stand on both sides of of this uh, of this matter uh, when it comes to hunting and baiting. But mm-hmm. baiting was illegal in Mississippi, or at least baiting, you know, during hunt season within you know the rules inside of your stand up until a few years ago was illegal uh it has been legalized so i think what i see is a lot more people putting out corn uh maybe year round maybe just during hunting season well what do you we talked about this earlier what do you see when you put out a feeder primarily yeah (laughs) there they come (laughs) probably if you like most of us you, you see pigs so it could, you know, those are, I guess, the things that I think have contributed to it, um, the things that I see personally and read about. Well, like you say, with population growth the way it is with them, they're going to run out of habitat, so they've got to move to, you know, I mean, they're they're going to steadily keep advancing as the numbers grow, just like anything else. You know, uh, like you said earlier with the Nutri-Rat and stuff, you know, as, as that population grows, they've got to go to other areas to feed, so they're going to move out of home territory and start making new home territory. Exactly. And if those numbers are growing in the rates that they are, you know, you and I've spoken over the years, I've had some hog problems here and there and we've caught them and shot them and done things to, to try to reduce those numbers. But I can't tell you that I've gotten ahead in my way. And that's one of the reasons you and I stay in touch because it's not going to be long before I'm going to have to put one of those traps out. I've tried to kind of avoid it, 
you know, well, my problem's not that bad. Well, I've waited long enough to now my problem is that bad. Well, I know, kind of just speaking from our property, you know, ever since that first year that we saw hog signs and then got pictures of some, they haven't went away. I mean, we've had some years to where that they've been worse than others, and I've tried to, I've tried to pattern that with, with rainfall and, you know, maybe what river levels are doing of, of why they come to our property. And we got a creek on the south end of our property that goes directly to the Amit County, you know, the Amit River bottoms. So I've tried to pattern that with, you know, did we have a whole lot of rain during the summer that dried those river bottoms up? Do we get a lot of rain that, that that run them out of the river bottoms and then they start coming up to the creek? I don't. I, I haven't put a, a ton of thought in it, but I've I've tried to kind of you know put somewhat of a pattern in my mind of why they come there. But at the end of the day, since our first sighting of them, they ha- they haven't left. So I think it's definitely something to say that you know the population is growing, they're running out of the habitat, they're going to new places, and it's something we, you know we're going to, have to deal with. And I think that's why we're while we're talking to you is, is, you know, finding the best solution to, to get rid of what you can. Exactly. And, and there, there's, I think all those are good thoughts because the more you understand about the pig's behavior, uh, the better that you're going to be able to control them. Obviously, if you know how they behave, if for example, you know, you see them down in the hardwood bottoms, you know, during the fall when the acorns are falling, uh, it's a very tough time to trap them. Uh, because they're eating acorns and there's just food everywhere. Um, you know, if, if you don't know that and you go put out corn trying to bake pigs into a feeder, you're probably not going to have very good luck and you're going to spend, you know, $8 a bag on corn and, and a bunch of uh, wasted time looking at pictures. However, if you want to concentrate your efforts to trapping, uh, and, and the other thing about that time of the year, backing up a little bit to the fall, everybody's put their corn feeder out, like I mentioned earlier, so it's a tough time to trap that time of the year and understanding their behavior and, and their food uh, source primarily during the different months will help you a lot. For example, in February, when most people shut their feeders down, a lot of the acorns have been eaten. Uh, that's one of the best times to trap, February, March, and April. Matter of fact, the Jaeger Pro guys call that trapping season. And it varies a little bit by geographic area, state, you know, what crops are being grown and whatnot. But it helps to understand their behavior uh, probably more than knowing how to operate the trap, frankly. Yeah. Well, Mr. Ronnie, we were, you, you had brought up earlier, you know, y'all kind of have a system of how you, you use your trap. And do y'all have a, when you sell a trap to someone, do you, and I know you do, but I'm going I'm to ask this on here, you will actually go and help them you give heads up or input on, on how they need to set it up, whether they need to set one panel out at a time or two. Can you kind of walk us through how you recommend when you sell a trap to somebody, how they go and set it up and to help them be the most successful? I, I tell people, um, you know, of course, I get a lot of calls and a lot of folks are asking about the, uh, about the trap itself and the technology and, you know, the cost, of course, and all that. And the, the one thing that I tell them that I believe is the most important thing about trapping pigs, whether you're going to use this trap, another trap, <clears throat> or, or any kind of trap is to, that uses bait, and that is to pattern the pigs on a bait location with a camera 
either just a regular game camera or scouting camera, the Jaeger Pro Trap camera, which is a scouting camera that operates a trap. So you can see, uh, so you, number one, you can see how many pigs are in that sounder. You can identify the sounder. For example, it's, you know, a big sow, two uh, juvenile sows, and eight piglets, whatever it is. You identify them, and you let them get comfortable. And normally, if they find that feeder and there's plenty of corn on the ground every day, every night, they'll continue to use that feeder. And if they come in, and the trap's nowhere to be seen right now, they come in and they use that, that bait location for four, five, six nights a week, kind of the longer the better. They get so comfortable, and you can tell when they're comfortable. They may start coming in earlier and earlier each night. You may see pigs laying down out around the corn. I've seen that many times. Uh, and, they're, and they're staying longer. So you have to make sure that you put enough corn on the ground, set your feeder where it's putting enough bait on the ground. And then you go out and build the trap. Some folks like to go out and put up, you know, a little bit of the trap at a time, like you mentioned. Um, my personal experience is, is that once you get them patterned on that bait, that you can go out and build the trap altogether. Uh, hogs can smell very, very well, way better than a deer. So sometimes, particularly during the summer, if you're sweating, if you've got a lot of scent on the trap, it might take a rain to come in and wash the scent away. Uh, but, you know, so I try to be careful about that. Just like bow hunting, you know, I wear rubber boots. I wear gloves when I'm handling the trap, and, and that will lessen the time that it takes for that scent to go away. But patterning the pigs on the bait before you build the trap is the absolute, in my experience, absolute most important thing uh, to between a successful hog trapper and somebody who's just kind of uh, going to be okay at it or set their trap up and leave it in one location all the time, you'll catch pigs like that. And that might be the easiest way, but it's not the optimal way. The optimal way is what I call active trapping, which is identify hog sign, set the feeder up, and, and execute that process that I just described. And talking about, you know, pattern a pig, it's relatively easy to do. I mean, they're not a, a, a hard yep. animal to pattern because I know I've had – you know, through the years, I've had maybe one or two sows or, or a boar come in, and it wasn't a whole whole herd of them, so to speak. But you know, I've I've shot several. You know, I, I could see them coming into into my food plot. You know, eight o'clock every night, every night, and then you know, I would just it's been several occasions to where I may just go get in my deer stand and uh, and sit there and wait on one. And you know, sure enough, eight o'clock here they come. You know, go ahead and 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 take those pigs out so they're not that tough of an animal from my experience to pattern so it's pretty easy to do i think they absolutely i mean they are opportunists they're probably the epitome of an opportunist <laughs> if, it, if you put that food on the ground they don't need to get up out of their wallowing spot and you know go root around down a mile of creek bottom they can get up you know, they could stay in their root in their wallowing spot longer. They could get up, go straight to that feeder and eat, and then in an hour and a half, they're back in their wallowing spot. Well, Mr. Ronnie, and, I and don't. They're, they're smart enough to recognize that. I don't know about you, but if I find a good buffet, I'm kind of hard to wallow out of a spot too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I can see There's me rooting around and hanging out a little bit too. Uh, yeah. You know, that all you right. eat pizza buffet, I may have to get nudged <laughs> to get out of there That's sometime. Right. And I hadn't seen the, I hadn't seen the pigs pay for any corn yet, so it's like a free pizza buffet. <laughs> yep. 
Well, the uh, the the system that you have now, y'all, you sell individual panels. Y'all sell now portable panels, correct? You you have the panels where you can use T post and drive around, or you have a locking system now, where the panels lock together, and then you have the gate, you have the camera. It sends the pictures to the cell phone. Y'all have an antenna that goes to that, and that antenna, my understanding, will pick up just about anywhere, will it not? You can buy a booster system that goes with it. it you know, I hear yeah, a lot of the, people say, the antenna, well... The antenna will help with the cell service, but I tell you, um, so Jaeger, Jaeger Pro is currently selling 4G cameras, and they came out um, in October of 2018. And these 4G cameras, I have yet to see the need uh, with maybe a, just a couple of, of exceptions for the booster antenna because these 4G cameras with the camera antenna will get service where, for example, my 4G AT&T phone will not get service. Hmm. So so the need for, matter of fact, I hardly sell antennas anymore. With the 3G cameras, I was selling a fair amount of antennas for folks found in creek or river bottoms, but... Um, not a lot of need now with these new 4G cameras. And as I understand it, this is probably oversimplification, but uh, the technical guys at Jaeger Pro tell me that the 4G uh, network, 4G signal goes into low areas better than the 3G did. Okay. Which is why we're not seeing the need for the booster antennas. So can a, can a, can the consumer kind of pick their carrier or is it just one carrier? Cause I know like, you know, with the, with game cameras, you know, you can pick, I think, between AT&T, Verizon, or whatever it is. Are the Jaeger Pro system kind of similar to that? They're similar to that with the two carriers being AT&T and Verizon. Okay. So you can kind of tailor, tailor it to whatever kind of fits your area best. Just whatever cell service you get best at your trapping location. Yeah, I got That's you. really the only thing that determines. The cameras will, you know, send the information to, to any carrier that you have on your phone. Right, right, um, yeah. So that that's kind of relevant, but but yeah. And when you set when you set your system up, you have a camera that looks at the gate. You can see everything in the trap. It will send you pictures, real time pictures of what's coming in and out. Now, can you watch a live feed, or is it just taking pictures? Do they have that capability to watch a live feed yet? Um, live feed is coming. The live feed video. Okay. Right but, now. Uh, it, we've got um, still pictures that you get within uh, 20 seconds most of the time. Oh, wow. Um, and, and sometime as quick as 13 or 14 seconds from the time it's taken, it shows up on your phone. So um, but I, yeah, can be... get, I guess getting back to your first question, the, the primary components of this trapping system, uh, which is called the MINE, M-I-N-E, and it's an acronym, uh, MINE Trapping System, which is developed and patented by Jaeger Pro, Jaeger Pro, is the camera, the gate, which is uh, eight foot wide. Uh, the opening of the gate is about four foot tall. The frame is about seven foot tall. Uh, guillotine style drop gate with a control box on it. And then the panels. And you mentioned the uh, old style. I call them old style. They, they were the original panels that Jaeger Pro sold. They were the flexible panels that you had to drive T-posts and wire the panels to the T-posts. And it would take about six 16-foot panels to make, along with the gate, to make about a 35-foot diameter trap. Uh, now, primarily what I, I 
sell just because people don't want to I think frankly they don't want to work that hard um, you know they don't want to drive 15 20 T posts <laughs> per trap and wire and unwire yeah and and handle those big panels or the um, the rigid panels which connect with a connecting rod similar to you know cattle panels mm-hmm. uh, you stand two of them up on side of each other line the connecting clips up and you drop a half inch diameter rod about five foot long down in between them and, and that's it and it's connected and they connect to the gate like that as well so so you uh, and they it, make it the same comes, size There's 12 in a bundle we sell them by the bundle and they make about a 35 foot diameter trap just like the old style flex panels so i guess you can kind of tailor the package that you buy to kind of what what fits your needs or or you know i guess exactly. bud, budget as well right yep that's exactly right that's pretty cool so mr ronnie the way the system is set up I can be laying in bed at three o'clock in the morning, and if I have my phone set to where it'll ding or vibrate, I can get a picture from the camera, look at it, say, "Okay, there's only one in there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just lay here a little while longer." But I can actually be laying in bed, and once I determine that I have the full sounder in, I can type in a code, and the gate will drop. It's it's even easier than that. You really hit. You hit two buttons on the Jaeger Pro app to close the gate. So you're you're looking at the photos as they come in, and right on the side of the photos, there's a little menu bar, and you, you decide, okay, the whole sounder's in the trap. I want to close the gate. You hit the menu bar and hit the close gate button. Uh, a text appears on your screen with the code already in it, and you just hit send the text. So I guess it's hmm. three. you hit three clicks on your phone, and you can do it within three or four seconds. And the gate will close typically within 13 to 16 seconds. So when you hit the code, you you really don't want them running in and out. You want them comfortable. Everything's in there, milling around, eating. Because I know I've, I've watched some on a on a live feed before, and you know they're they're in and out. They're on a sprint, and yeah, you know, we would wait till the last one came in, and then then did it. And like you say, you that's coming that's pretty cool technology i mean that that's about as easy as it gets and then you can go fool with them really at your own convenience so if you've got 15 in a trap you don't have to jump up and go handle them that night at three o'clock in the morning you can wait till eight o'clock the next morning or at lunchtime the next day whatever works with your schedule best is there any reason to maybe get them out quicker than than not Yes, there is, um, and particularly if you have two sounders using the bait, the bait station that we talked about earlier, and that happens quite a lot. You might have, uh, you know, a sow with some shoats or pigs coming in, and then, you know, you might have at a different time two boar hogs coming in. So that you know, it's two different groups, and they're not associating with each other except the fact that they're both using that bait. So, so you, you've got that scenario, you go build a trap and say the, the sow and shoats come in and you catch them. Uh, if you can get them out, and I'm not saying right away, but if you could get them out as soon as possible, say if you catch them at 7 o'clock at night and you're, you're at the location, it'd be a good idea to go get them. You that way them you're three, not educating the next the group. Yeah. If you catch them at three o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, no big deal to wait, you know, go back to sleep, wake up, go get them. But if you leave them in there for, uh, 
you know, hours upon hours or even, you know, 24 hours, they'll root around in the trap and usually it's going to be muddy and they're going to be, uh, you know, messing in the trap and urinating in the trap. And that's what we call dirtying the trap. And once that happens and they're swallowing in it and it's just making a mess, uh, other pigs, for example, in that scenario I outlined, the two boar hogs, once you dispatch that group, you know, that's in the trap, get them out. Those two boar hogs may not want to come in and eat where other pigs have dirtied the trap. And that's typical of the case. And that's something that I learned from uh, Rod Pinkston. We always thought back in the day that it was blood. We used to not want to shoot pigs in the trap because we thought other pigs wouldn't come in where there were pig blood. <clears throat> but that's actually not the case. I've seen pigs go in and eat corn with other pigs' blood on the corn. But it's the dirty in the trap. So that's a very good question. Uh, and the sooner you can get them out, the better. I'm not saying you got to get them out immediately. But the part that kind of becomes irrelevant is if you've only got or the scenario where it becomes relevant is if you've only got one sounder using that bait and you catch them, uh, you're probably going to want to repeat that process that we discussed a little while earlier anyway. And if that's the case, if you're going to end up moving the trap and you're not really looking to leave the trap there and catch a second sounder that's been patterned on the bait, you can leave them in for a little bit longer, not not having to worry about it because you're going to move the trap anyway. So, well, Mr. Ronnie, I know you've you've used this term several times, and nothing I'm real familiar with. What what is your definition of a sounder? Uh, basically, the herd, okay. the group, the social group, and and it's typically uh, a sow, kind of like deer. You know, mm-hmm. deer have this matriarchal society where you see. A uh, bunch of deer, I mean, a bunch of does and, and doe fawns, and you see the, the buck fawns as well. But then at some point, you know, the, maybe maybe after the first antler year, the buck fawns are going to peel off. Right. And they're going to go hang with the bachelor groups. Pigs are kind of the same way, except, you know, you don't normally see the big groups of boars. You see more like a dominant boar and maybe two subdominant boars or more uh, together. And then you see the sows. You might see a couple of generations. You might see the old sow. You might see two uh, sows from a previous litter that are, whatever, a year too old. And then you might see shoats. Uh, and you, you could even see, you know, some large shoats, maybe 60, 70 pounds, and some piglets because they can breed so rapidly. Right. So the sounder is just a social group they're running in, usually – uh, when people talk about sounders, it's a sow, a matriarchal group, but, you know, two or three boar hogs or or a sounder as well. Now, Mr. Ronnie, you sell, you, you have a territory, I'm guessing, that you cover, which is southwest Mississippi, Louisiana. Wh- which parts of the country do you actually cover that you have helped put this product in and, and used? Primarily southwest Louisiana and central to south Louisiana. Oh, excuse me, southwest Mississippi. The six counties that are, you know, Wilkinson over to Pike and then up to uh, uh, Franklin and Adams and across the six counties right there. And then, say, from Alexandria down. Uh, It's not a hard boundary that we have, but between the dealers, the Jaeger Pro dealers, we uh, kind of have a general area and we don't go, uh, intentionally trying to 
you know, sell outside of our territory. But occasionally some of us will get a call that might be on the border somewhere, might be on the line, and uh, we try to stay friendly about it, and we do. We work together. We actually pool resources, work together a lot. So, uh, Well, I, I know you keep, a, you keep a pretty large inventory at your house. Uh, I know you've had 18-wheelers come in and out of there several times when I was over there, and you keep a pretty good stock of stuff to to be able to have readily available to people. But one thing I, I know I would like to hear about, and I know everybody all listening, you've had some, some pretty cool success stories with these traps. You know, it, it, would you mind sharing any of those with us? Because, I mean, I know just at your place you said over the – over a time frame of the last eight years, you're looking at almost eight or 500 hogs caught just at your place with one trap, correct? One trap. That's so correct. Just moving the trap, yeah. Some of the places I, I've kept up with you on Facebook and looking stuff, and I know you you have Brent Barron that, that kind of helps do some stuff too. Would you mind giving us a couple, you know, success stories that y'all have had on people's properties and how you've helped knock those numbers down? Absolutely. I think uh, you mentioned Brent, and I think that's a, a, a good story because Brent understands, uh, you know, due to his background hunting and fishing and whatnot, and, and also his uh, forestry and wildlife management background, he, he, he understands, you know, the behavior of wildlife and whatnot, and that a certain process will work better on catching pigs and just willy-nilly going and setting a trap out. But Brent, a while back, uh, he had uh, seen some sign, so he started the process. He put the corn out, put the feeder out, and this was uh, on Prey Road right north of me, and uh, scouted 22 pigs in a group and got them consistently, a big group, coming in uh, every night. So he went ahead after a few nights, and he built his trap, continued baiting, and he was getting in for over a week, I believe, uh, you know, 18 pigs, 19 pigs. Uh, sometimes the, his photos, the way uh, I like to set my camera and the way that he had his camera set, you can actually see, you know, through the gate, you can see on the outside something coming up. And for whatever reason, uh, two or three pigs just weren't coming in. And uh, a lot of folks I know and have seen would just go ahead and say, well, I'm going to catch the 18 that's in there now, and I'm going to worry about those three or four later. And Brent, just believed in the process and waited and uh, a few more nights all the whole sounder came in and he dropped a gate on 22 pigs and uh, so he actually was the Jaeger Pro Trapper of the month that month because I submitted his story and a couple of the photos and of course the Jaeger Pro, Pro guys loved it because that's their you know or our system that we use so it's, it's and that's frankly the primary driver for me to do to do this is to help landowners especially the ones in this local area who are my neighbors um you know we're we're helping uh, each other by catching pigs helping the the folks that you know aren't catching pigs that are adjacent to us so it's, it's not like pigs know any property boundaries they're running across all of our land um, another example is uh, larry powell down at the rouse's place Larry was one of my first customers, and uh, he had some tripwire corral traps that they had been using, and they bought two traps, and I've lost count. Matter of fact, Larry was here earlier today. I should have asked him, but he has caught 
hundreds and hundreds of pigs since, let's see, it was actually August of 2017 they bought those two traps. And they are still producing. Matter of fact, last night Larry caught a big boar hog in one of them. And uh, he's getting a kick out of it. Uh, Their property is uh, better off for it. I believe their deer herd. Uh, turkey flock is is better off for it too but that's those are the kind of things that really float my boat helping people to you know make their land better and have more fun on it and be able to enjoy it more well i know when uh, just going back to to that last one i know when they first started they were catching huge numbers of hogs are they still seeing the same numbers or if they got the population n- not on you know i'm uh, more in control to where now they're catching a few at a time or are they still catching 15 to 20 at a time does it differ different times of the year the the frequency you know if you could graph the frequency of the times that they caught a pig or pigs is is going down in other words when they first set the traps up you know they couldn't close the gate fast enough because they, they had their own hominy creek same creek that runs through my place and uh they were catching a bunch of pigs, uh, big groups, and high frequency of trap drops, gate drops. Now the gate drops uh, are farther apart, but uh, his his group that he caught before this boar hog, I believe, was 15. Mm. So you know, and those are pigs that probably weren't there a year ago or two years ago. But like you alluded to earlier, they're just expanding, they're moving, they're looking for food, and um, they showed up, but. He's waiting on them. He's got the two traps constantly running, and he believes in the process as well. Uh, knows how many's in the sounder before they drop the gate. So now, he's uh, he's doing a great job down there. You were talking about earlier the the Mississippi River being one of the primary areas that the hogs used to be. Do you have folks down in that area, say the Woodville either side, the the, the Mississippi or Louisiana side of the river, that are having huge success with these traps also? Yes, and I I can say that Saint from Saint Francisville to Woodville is probably um, I won't say I sold a majority of traps there, but I've sold a lot. What about uh, I think you may have mentioned it earlier, like some some state or or agencies or anything like that have have they really you know grasped the the Jaeger proof system and and used them at a you know, a uh, an enforcement level or anything like that on, on maybe like public land? Yes. And there's actually, um, there's a, a budget been developed for a program, and it's got an acronym, which everything with the federal government is an acronym. And I want to say it's a <laughs> feral swine control program, if you Google that, FSCP. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in the pilot mode right now, but and they've selected counties and parishes in each state um, that they're going to run this pilot program. And I think that they budgeted about 140 something million for this program. Uh, so the federal government recognizes it's an issue. Um, and they're going to, going to work with uh, mostly private land owners, farmers, yeah. uh, other, you know, timber farmers, whatnot, uh, crop farmers. And, there's going to be a lot of traps that are going to be bought by there's a lot of cost sharing type things. You might be familiar with that with the uh, NRCS and whatnot. Uh, 
Right. It's going to sort of operate like that. But the federal government is also going to have um, support available, consulting support that will help you, you know, come out and look at your place. But right now, unfortunately, I guess, or it, it's going to grow, so I guess it's a good thing. But right now, the uh, the counties and the parishes are limited. For example, in Louisiana, South Louisiana, Cameron and Calcasieu are the only two parishes. The only counties that uh, – I'm not going to say the only counties, but the closest counties to us are up the river north of Vicksburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our, our area in southwest Mississippi is not part of this program yet. Uh, but hopefully there'll be follow-on programs coming. But there, there. In addition to that, there's um, the uh, hunting preserves and wildlife management areas for Louisiana and Mississippi. Uh, I've sold traps to both states. I've sold traps to the um, U.S. Wildlife, um, and they trap on their lands. So, so they're actually yeah. buying the traps from us. Uh, we provide support, and and they they manage the traps on federal or state land. So there's a fair amount of that going on right now. And I, my largest uh, target customer base is really private landowners, but I would say probably 15, 20 percent has been to uh, local or state or federal governments. Well, I know I I've spent the last probably about 12 years uh, in the Mississippi Delta, pretty good bit duck hunting and man i've i know we've we've had hogs down here but the hog population up there is just unreal i mean it's it's nothing uncommon to see you know you riding you know in mississippi delta see a see a crop field or something like that man you may see 30 or 40 hogs in a group and i mean it's almost just just become something you expect to see when you get up there now but i mean it is just unreal the amount of pigs up there. And that was kind of where I was gearing that too. And you, you may have mentioned, you know, kind of the area of which I, I spent some time in duck hunting, you know, north of Vicksburg along the Mississippi river up through there. So that was kind of why I asked the question. Cause I know you could probably wear a good trap out up there. Um, pretty quickly if I had to guess. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm not sure how these, these counties and parishes were selected. Um, I would guess like everything in government, there's probably some politics mm-hmm. going on and some, some politicians lobbying to, you know, to get that money for their areas and whatnot. But, uh, also, as you say, that's a, that's an area that's known for, uh, heavy pig population. Matter of fact, I sent Jason just the other, uh, Jacob, excuse me, the other day, a picture of one of my customers took in the morning when the sun was just coming up of his decoy set with pigs running through it. <laughs> oh, I've been, so, uh, we actually had that happen a couple of years ago in Stuttgart. We, uh-huh. we were just south of Stuttgart and had set up, you know, taking two dozen decoys in and dirt cord and got everything set up. And we had turned the heater on and we're on a blowdown tree, just kind of staying out of the water and trying to using a root ball as a wind block and heard splashing come through. And I said, y'all, you know, hit your flashlight. There's somebody walking up on, up on us you know somebody's turned the light out and they're trying to sneak into a hole you know let them know we're here but when the guy hit his headlamp and turned it on it was a huge sow coming through and she was actually dragging a decoy with her as she was walking through (laughs) and we none of us had a loaded gun you know you have 15 shells up there in in that area we were in that you can only take in with you and buy a meter and we just had to watch her 
And it was it was one of those where you almost went ahead and slid a shell in just in case she came towards you, but she eased around. We we made a couple of clapping noises at her, and she wound up going off. But she really didn't pay us a lot of attention. Yeah, we were hunting. It's been, I don't know, four or five years ago. We were up on a, on a management area in the Mississippi Delta. We were duck hunting, and it, it got up to about the middle of the day, if I remember correctly. And we we had heard a, a couple of hogs squeal. I mean, like I say, wasn't nothing really out of the ordinary to hear. Then we started, you know, hearing some some brush rattle and this, that, and the other, and and we had looked. We were hunting kind of on a more or less a kind of a, a cypress slough area, and we uh, we spotted one, and we spotted two, three, four, five, and I mean it went on up to about ten. And they was just just skirting the edge of the water, and they got about man, I'm wanting to say twenty yards from us, and we were just being still as we could. And we were just sitting there whispering to each other, like, you think we can kill them? And we were like, well, we're sitting here loaded with steel shot. I don't think it's going to do much to a pig. But <laughs> it was still tempting enough. We did the old one, two, three, and, you know, and we I don't think we, we hurt them much. They may have thought some mosquitoes was hitting them. But we uh, we ran them off from, the, from where we were. But Well, Mr. Ronnie, I know – me personally, I I have thoroughly enjoyed this, and I I think that we have oh yeah we have gained great. a lot of knowledge here, and hopefully we've helped share some. Now, I keep up with you on Facebook, and you're you know you just live right down the road from me. If anybody listening to this wants to get up with you and get more information about the system and and talk to you more, what well, is the easiest way? For, trout. Yeah, what is the easiest way for them to reach you? The easiest way would likely be through my website which uh, the name of my company is Rocking V, as in my last name, Valentine, Rocking V Hog Control. And that's actually the name of my domain, RockingVHogControl.com. Okay. Uh, My email address is almost the same thing, RockingVHogControl at gmail.com. And uh, anybody through either one of those uh, means can contact me, and I will be happy to help them. Well, y'all, y'all don't forget Rocking V Hog Control. So if you have a hog issue or you have questions that you need answered, give Mr. Ronnie a call. He's uh, he's doing a lot of good work in our area. I know that for sure. Yeah, I know we just talked an hour, but I bet we could probably talk for two or three hours if we wanted to. And I bet we're probably <laughs> going to do this again. Yeah. You know, sometime here in the, the near future. So, Mr. Ronnie, we appreciate you being with us today. We appreciate all the information that you brought with us. Jeremy, yeah. you got anything else? No, we appreciate it, Mr. Ronnie, and uh, and everybody. We have, we thank you for listening to this episode of Outdoor Country Talk with Jeremy and Jacob. Thank y'all. And God bless. Well, ain't nothing like a southerner, Lord, to make you feel alright. I got the windows down. I got the radio on